Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs. I moved out of that community when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for almost eight years and have two beautiful babies. Yes. Today we are kind of excited and kind of mortified by watching episode two of Preaching Evil that is available on Peacock Plus. Mm -hmm. Is it Plus? I don't know. Deluxe? Peacock. I don't know. Peacock Whatever. Something. The one they had to pay for on Peacock, right? Like everybody has their own little like thing at the end. But um, for those of you who have not watched our reaction video to the first episode, mm -hmm. you can find that right here. And for those of you who want to watch the second episode before you hear our reaction to it or hear spoilers about it, now is your time to go check it out for yourself and rush back to come in and see yeah. what <laughs> see what we think about it. We're excited and a little bit nervous to react to episode too. Yeah, and for those of you that want to hear more about what it was like for Sam growing up in polygamy, then please like and subscribe. <laughs> One thing I will say is we started watching um, like the beginning of this episode and it showed that it was going to be going into um, talking about what happened at the ranch, yeah. the Yearning for Zion ranch in, um, Texas. in the, Texas. The ranch that they built the temple on. Yeah, as, as we saw that it was going to start going into that, we were like, this is actually really good timing for us to review this because in a couple of weeks here at the end of June, um, it'll probably be posted in July, we actually have a friend that um, got called out to the ranch to go and help with security on the ranch after the raid happened on the ranch. So as we're seeing these things about the ranch here, just in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing an interview with him. And so you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. Hopefully he can give us a little bit more insight as well and his personal experience, because as you watch, watch this show, Preaching Evil, it's 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 almost it's mind blowing to think of some of the things that these people had to go through and that they were forced <clears throat> to do. And anyway, so it'll be interesting to see someone that actually was there and, and experienced that to have his insight and to see how that compares to the experiences talked about on the show. Yeah, and so, when he went, it was um, after the raid. So obviously everything in the show was pre-raid, just to kind of keep in mind, but it's still gonna be really interesting to see, yeah, the differences in the way that they're like called there because mm -hmm. the women in the show, and I guess this is kind of getting into the episode itself, um, talking about having to be like worthy to be able to be called to go to the ranch at all and what that process was like. Um, hearing his story about what that's like is very, very interesting and mm -hmm. seeing the differences maybe between the men being called there and their purposes for being called and then the women being called there and what their purposes were in being called to the ranch. Yes. Hearing a little bit of his story makes me feel like my childhood and upbringing was very normal <laughs> compared to his you know yeah. and so i just feel lucky that i didn't have to deal with a lot of these things but uh very interesting and we enjoy talking with people about their experiences if, if they are open to that so yeah so stay tuned for that in a couple Coming weeks up soon <laughs> so let's just get right into it then and some of our thoughts and uh i guess takeaways from this episode too yeah what was the first thing that like shocked you I mean, we already had kind of touched on in the first episode, the women having to be worthy to go and worthy to go and worthy yep. to go. Um, so it was no shocker when the wives were waiting and the one wife who talks about it, you know, saying, oh, when she lost some weight, then she was able to go and be worthy. 
Um, that was one of the things that, yeah, that was one of the things that jumped out to me right from the beginning was these women, I mean, they, all they wanted was to be in Warren's inner circle. They wanted to be, uh, with those wives that he was spending most of the time with. So you look back now and you think, man, why wouldn't these women just try to escape or, or just realize what this, what's happening and just try to get out of it? Uh, well, a lot of them had children with him, number one, so they didn't want to ever leave their children behind because they knew that he would take them from them. Uh, and number two, they have been taught their entire lives that to be associated with and to be married to the prophet of God is just like the biggest honor. And so they just, they just want to feel <coughs> accepted and they want to feel loved and they want to be a part of, I guess, the, the, the elite the elite women in the family. Yeah, well, and even the the one wife who was talking about the fact that like her four year old was taken from her for it was almost a year or was mm -hmm. a little over a year by the time that she was worthy to be yeah. able to go and be with him. And so um, once they realized that that can happen, when she was saying she was like constantly trying to get into the inner circle for just like you said yeah. for the purpose of not losing her kids again because. Once that's happened to you once, I feel like that's an even bigger scare tactic and fear tactic. Like, if they can just take my kids away from me once, well, if I'm not in the, the, the prophet's favor, he's he just going to send me away again? Am I not going to be worthy to be here and be taken away? So yep. that pressure, I feel like as a mother, you're going to do anything to be able to stay close with your children and realizing you actually don't have power to stay with your children would be yeah. like the biggest thing you could hang over a mother's yeah. head. And we heard one of his ex-wives, one of Warren's ex-wives say that she got to the point where she would do anything, no matter what, no matter what was asked of her, she would do it uh, as if that meant that she could keep and be with her children. Yeah. So it's very sad. When, so then they kind of go into, you know, Warren having these, what do they call them? Heavenly oh, messages. Goodness. Oh, I'm getting the wrong... We just watched it, and yet I still can't even remember. We're already forgetting. Well, but it's so like it's so crazy, honestly. Like the fact that um, Naomi is having to scribe things that are that he's heavenly, having the, heavenly sessions. Uh, heavenly sessions. That's what I it was. Is what it was. Yeah, and having to write down like what he's doing, mm -hmm. and that he was like flailing with his body, and you gotta wonder how much. Like every time I hear things about him acting like that, I'm like, you have to wonder. Like, does he have an actual problem or was it really all for show because in a situation where he's one-on-one -on -one with one of his wives like being the scribe like would there be a need for the show or do you think he's so actually like meant to, like obviously he's mentally disturbed but like in the sense mm -hmm. of like having seizures or i don't know not having control of his body it's it's un it's, i guess it's unknown no one knows for sure but yeah. my theory is that it started out with him kind of convincing himself of certain things or trying to put on a show. And the longer he did it, the more it became who he was. I guess self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, right. oh, I think this is happening to me. And, and, then, and then he just he just assumed that it was actually uh, some power from God that was causing him to do these things. When in reality, it was just, I of course, I believe it was just for show. And, and here's the thing, though, is you say, well, it's only in front of the one wife that his scribe that's writing everything down. But... Number one, he knows that this wife is writing everything down, mm -hmm. you know, so he wants this on the record. Yeah. Number two, if the wife starts to talk with other women about, oh my goodness, I saw this uh, spiritual experience with Warren, 
And then the rumors will spread or the stories will spread about that he's actually having these experiences. So I think it was all for show. I really yeah. do. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot. And, you know, a lot of times people maybe don't realize because on the outside you hear like, oh, these crazy things happen. You know, Warren Jeffs um, did these crazy things and was like a sexual pervert and all the, all these different things. And so when you hear about like him calling up these few chosen women to go into that room, a couple of things to remember is that was a very small group, right? Like he had tons and tons and tons of wives. I hear at one point or at the peak, he had up to about 80. Okay. So like so. 80 and then he's calling in, would you say like 12? Like very small group of, of people are even knowing about the sexual mm-hmm. weird stuff. And then on top of that, because they've been raised their entire lives to be so modest, to be so, um, you know, purity culture and like, it's all about you being clean and pure and nobody's seeing you like that, like all those type of things. I can't imagine the amount of like guilt or shame that they're not going to share that. So some people may say from the outside, like, how could, you know, people didn't know that that was happening or even now, how could somebody follow someone who did all these crazy things like that? you know, calling women in bedrooms and having them sexually lift him back from the dead and things. But the members of the church did not know that, like at all. And I'd I, say most of his wives didn't even know that. No, I had no idea, obviously, about any of this going on. And I agree. I, I, I believe most of the wives didn't know what was going on. And the wives that, that did, uh, that were involved in these uh, sexual whatever was going on, don't even know the right name for it. But uh, the, for those women that were involved, they, he had convinced them that it was the celestial, the, law. the celestial law. This is how it will be in heaven, and this is what God wants, and uh, it's just preparing them for the eternities. And so, you know, they, I mean, you said they've been raised their entire lives that, about the importance of modesty and all of that. But, but then when you have the person that's been telling them about modesty, be the person to take it back. Be the person that says, actually, this is how it is once you become righteous enough or once you become worthy enough. Then uh, I can see how some of these women are probably say, okay, well, if that's the way it is. Yeah, right? for sure. Well, and it's interesting. I feel like um, Warren was very, always very careful in grooming, like the way he used certain words mm-hmm. and like terminology mm-hmm. too, because the fact that he said that what was happening was celestial law, that's mm-hmm. like a big... Oh, trigger words, the right word, but like that's in the Doctrine and Covenants, mm-hmm. um, celestial law, and then was interpreted to mean polygamy by early members. I mean, that's why both the LDS and the FLDS practiced polygamy because it was the celestial law. And the LDS still believe there is polygamy in the next life, that it still is a celestial law, even though they don't practice it on this earth anymore. So using the terminology like celestial law has a lot of significance to, to believers. To believers, yeah, of that, of those scriptures, you know, they can trace it back and be like, oh, this is part of celestial law. That's in the scriptures. And so it holds more weight than what you would think, like the way he carefully chose the words to groom them. He was, I believe he was overly cautious to try to make everyone feel like it was just, it wasn't what he wanted. It's just what God wanted, right? And uh, some of these women even mentioned that, he he would ask them about doing certain inappropriate things 
And if they said they didn't feel comfortable, he'd say, okay, well, that, that's okay then. He wouldn't force them, you know? So he, he made it seem like, he, it, I don't know, it, he made it seem like he didn't really want this. It's just something that he was supposed to do. Yeah, when he, because when he showed Naomi at one point, he showed his one wife pornography that made her, mm -hmm. she was saying like physically ill seeing what was happening. Um, and then for him to say, oh, like, could you do that? But that's one of those things where, like you said, not only is he saying you don't have to do it, but also kind of grooming her in the sense of like, now she has that picture in her head. She knows it's something that he kind of wants, even though she doesn't understand why. And so that's going to be something that like sticks with her that, I mean, yeah. they were caught before it could like continue to go on, but you got to wonder like, yeah, he didn't force her to right then, but would he have continued to groom and like try to show her those things if they hadn't been caught? Oh, yes. And I'm sure she believed that, she, that he would. But I think in the back of her mind, she was just wondering, okay, wait a minute. Why would he even ask of such a thing? And yeah. Maybe well, this is of the world, right? Is what right. he said when he showed it to her. Like, right. Because he even told her, you're right. Hey, this is of the world. But I want you to show, I want to show it to you. Like, and see it, if you can do it. So it seemed like, uh, I believe at that moment is when she started having her questions and or doubts. Yep. That's about, what she said. Is that she was... Yeah. But still, the amount of, like, fear, I feel like the fear basically still controlled her, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, a lot of people for different reasons. But yeah. she knew, you know, oh, I love him, I respect him, but I was scared to not please him, or I was scared to not, um, what did she say? How did she word it? I can't remember. But, like, but she still had a lot of fear, right? She, she was, was still scared of him, terrified to, of him. Terrified to upset him or something along those lines. Yeah. So, uh, and then, and then uh, from there, actually, Naomi's younger sister, 12 years old, is married to Warren. Uh, Warren, I guess, just showed up at the house at one point and said, this is my new wife. Uh, and 12, that, I mean, that just makes me sick a little bit, you know, to even think about, I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. But obviously, he was forcing uh, someone at such a young age to marry him, it sounds like that the the twelve year old was was okay with it. They said that that's what she wanted. Yeah, to be able to uh, say that twelve years surprising. old. Well, yeah, to say that that's an age of consent for that kind of thing. Right, to begin you're not with. old enough to make that kind of decision at that age for sure. No way. And if you've been no. told your entire yeah life that that's the highest honor you can get, like yeah. Right. Exactly. Total manipulation and. Being able to do that, sickening, and what? Yeah. And as somebody who already has, like, you already have like fifty wives. Like, what is the purpose of being able to? Like, there's no excuse for it. Like, there's nothing that you can come up with to be like, oh, that makes kind of sense in a sick way. Like, no. Like, he had so many wives. He wasn't in need for anything sexual. He's having these other women do other different things. Like. How, getting a 12 year old is just it's disgusting and i'm glad he's in prison for it yep I, th <laughs> I think the longer he was allowed to do what he was doing the more corrupt he became and the more uh like he just he was always seeking for more and i'm thinking and i'm guessing that as he was trying to get more and more of whatever he was doing the I guess the younger age was the next thing on his list to just get younger and younger and younger. Because before before the 12-year-old, I mean, he was marrying very young teenagers. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was just the youngest. So. I mean, she hasn't even gone through puberty. Like yeah. she wouldn't even have breasts at 12 years old. Like, right. so you're yeah. like in a whole different realm of that's not a teenager who's developed. Like, nothing. It's pedophilia, and it's, it is. I, yeah. I'm not even really sure what to say about it. I, I just, it's so beyond my words and comprehension that it's just it just kind of makes me sick. But yeah, switching from the sick stuff, <laughs> <laughs> switching from that. They were talking about when he was on the run, um, mm-hmm. how basically like all the other places were supporting the building of this ranch that nobody could actually go to. All the other places, all the, like Colorado and Hilldale. All of, yes, all of the other FLDS communities. All of the men were out working and then basically giving the majority of their money back to the church or to Warren, that was who was putting money into building this ranch and. Who knows what else he was doing with them? Were they forthcoming about that? Like when you guys were paying tithing and the ranch was being built, were they forthcoming with the fact that like your tithing money was going to build the ranch? Or did they just always say like they need it and it's the Lord's money and you just never were allowed to know what happened? That's the vibe I got whenever uh, there was a call for tithing. Uh, It was that it was just, hey, the Lord needs this money and and he needs at least this amount from each. I guess man from certain age and up and and it was just expected to be given to them you know no one really questioned it and when he was on the run um you know they had mentioned like the pennies for the profit being mm-hmm. passed around yeah. do you remember that I don't okay I don't know what that was all about I I was still a part of the church when he was on the run because he was he was actually imprisoned a couple of years before I left so but I don't remember that okay I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I remember is that uh, in church meetings, leaders would stand up and say, there has been a call for tithing. We need each uh, male. I'm trying, trying to think it men over 18 it. or something. Each man over, I, I don't remember if it was 18 or 21, somewhere around there, to pay, I believe, $2,000 was a pretty common one. So everyone, all the men of that age and older paying $2,000, you know, that, that adds up quick. And then they would, it seemed like they started doing that more and more frequently, right? So anyway, uh, I wasn't really sure where the money was going. I just knew that it was expected of us. So, How did you find out that Warren Jeffs had been caught? Oh boy, that's a great, (laughs) to to think back, because they do in this episode as well, they go over the, the whole experience of him being caught in Las Vegas. So... Anyway, it's I don't remember how I heard about it. I think it was just rumors that were being spread around the community is where I first heard about it. And I don't think it was really an official church setting where they got up and talked about it or anything like that. It was just more of a, everyone started hearing about it throughout the community. Kind of whispers. Yeah. And that was a, that was a shocker. That was a shocker when we heard about that, or at least for me it was. Yeah. Now, he had kind of threatened before that, like, if he got caught... That it was kind of everybody's fault for not being faithful yes, enough, right? Yes, he did. He did. That, uh, that was just kind of a go-to. Uh, you know, if, if things don't work out or if the, the blessings that I promise you don't come to be, it's because you weren't worthy, you know, or the the community or the, the people were just not doing what they were supposed to do. They weren't prepared, whatever. He just came up with all sorts of excuses. And that was one of them. Uh, we were told that because we weren't righteous enough, we weren't prepared enough, that's why he was caught and imprisoned. Oh, we forgot to mention something that happened earlier that I was like kind of mind blown about too, was when he was saying that he was atoning for the sins. 
of the so, people. Of the people, yeah. as if he was Jesus Christ, which is crazy because to yeah, to go from where, I am a prophet to now I'm atoning for sins. Yeah. Um, which every other Christian religion would believe that Jesus Christ was the one who atoned for your sins. And that is why he was in his bedroom thrashing around in that, because he was pretending he was atoning, sins. pretending to be suffering for the sins of, of the people. So he <laughs> Do you have any insight as to why like when he was saying that um like all these deadlines have to be met, they have to be met? Mm -hmm. Was there do you know other than like getting child brides, you know, building those type of houses and building the compound, like is there do you think there was a purpose behind it that maybe everyone didn't know? Like why he was trying to build it so quickly, why the deadlines mattered so mm -hmm. much, or do you think he was just legitimately like mentally ill? I think, well, <laughs> I think he was mentally ill, yes. But I believe that he was trying to get more people to the ranch. Okay. So he wanted the houses built very quickly so that people could, could come to the ranch. And, uh, and then he would, at that point, once there was enough housing, he could just make the phone calls and, you know. Arrange I feel ranch. like so-and-so should be coming here now. You know, things like that. So I never went. I've never been to this ranch even after. I don't believe that anyone that is associated with the FLES church owns the property now. I believe someone else owns it. Um, but I've never been to the ranch at all. I've only seen pictures. Dang. So thank goodness I was never righteous enough to go to this. Yeah, good so. job, babe. Way to be way to be a rebel. I'm glad yeah, you didn't get yeah. sent through there. So, but uh, anyway, that I believe that's why. He just wanted uh, more people to be able to come out there. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, the end of episode two is basically him getting caught. Yep. And, um, you know, obviously we'll do episode three. There's only, this whole series is four episodes. Mm. So every couple weeks we'll do another reaction to the next one and kind of see how it wraps up, I guess. Yeah. I mean, with two more episodes, I'm sure it's going to go through his trial a little oh, bit yeah. and what that was like. Um, I'm very curious if they do more on the raid that happened to the Texas combat. I'm sure that's coming. That... So I don't, this is something that I'm not familiar with, the timeline. I don't, I don't know when the raid happened, how, how long after it happened, like he was imprisoned. And then how long after that did the raid? Did you hear anything about that? Not so okay. far, not so far. And I don't know why I can't think of the date off the top of my head, but mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that that's probably <laughs> well, coming in as well. Probably the next episode. Yeah. yeah. So we will be excited as excited as we can be hearing the horrific things that warren jeff does uh, warren jeff has done um to share this our thoughts on those episodes as well yeah. so stay tuned for that especially stay tuned for in the uh probably the beginning of july when we have the interview with manti who's gonna share his story of going to the ranch so yes and yeah. so we'll look forward to that and we'll talk to you soon talk to you soon